This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, this is Vince Catroni from the A's Radio Network. Every Wednesday on our broadcast on A's Cast with Chris Townsend, we bring you the Community Spotlight, an opportunity for us to shine light things inside the A's Clubhouse, happening in the community with other organizations that the A's have become partners with. In our first month, we began with Stephanie Gaywood. She's the A's Director of Community Engagement and the Community Fund. We also talked with Chris Lucas from Bishop O'Dowd and Seton Hall. He was this year's recipient in the Jackie Robinson Foundation as we celebrated that great day on April 15th. Also, Madeline Cadera Redman, the Acting Executive Director of the Oakland Parks and Recreation Foundation. And finally, in our community spotlight for the month of April, we visited with Betsy Beeren, the CEO of Make-A-Wish Greater Bay Area. Hope you enjoy it. The community spotlight coming up now. Once again, every Wednesday in 2021, we'll be providing the A's community spotlight, an opportunity for those inside the A's clubhouse, inside the A's front office, and those in the community to tell their stories about trying to impact our world and make things a better place. And today we kick it off with Stephanie Gaywood, the A's Director of Community Engagement and also in charge of the Community Fund. Look, it's no secret that 2020 was a tough year for everybody and still try to dig out from that. But looking back on 2020, Stephanie explains how the A's were able to pivot, use the cutout program, and how that really did allow the A's to uh, get some monies out in the community and, and help some of those organizations that have looked to the A's for help. One of the main things we wanted to continue to be able to engage the community, uh, both on the fan perspective and with our nonprofit partners. So when we came up with the Coliseum cutouts, it was a perfect opportunity for the fans to feel like they're still at the ballpark, also while still being able to support our nonprofit partners. So uh, we were able to make some serious impact and give out some real big dollars um, to several of our nonprofit organizations, like through things like the Coliseum cutouts and our Giveathon. Um, and some other smaller fundraisers, we were able to give out about a half a million dollars um, to various organizations, a, a lot in the social justice space. Um, that's very important to the club and some of our other um, nonprofit partners, such as ALS Cure with the Piscotti family. Following up on the social injustice theme, certainly the uh, Oakland community has been a melting pot for decades and no different for the A's involvement there. And again, Stephanie stresses the importance of using those tools to help all those in need. It's very important that we were able to rally behind our community members. Um, Oakland is the home of like the Black Panthers, um, and we stand with supporting our community from something as simple as putting Black Lives Matter on the pitcher's mound to be able to c- contribute to organizations like EOIDC, African American Chamber of Commerce of Oakland, um, and various organizations in that space to continue to support and uplift um, the Black community in the Bay Area. Certainly the shortened season of 2020 provided a lot of challenges for the A's trying to help out their community and also inside the A's clubhouse with autographed bats and balls and things that they can get out to different organizations to use as fundraising tools. Well, year two is back with a variety of different grant programs, and Stephanie talks about 
how those in the community can use the A's as a vehicle to help raise some dollars. We are excited to um, relaunch our grant program. Um, last year, we started a, a grant program early in the year. We we're able to make um, contributions to nonprofit organizations' programmatic work. Uh, so we'll be bringing back that in May. Um, and then we're also excited to uh, launch our um, grant program specifically around the social justice cause, uh, economic development, homelessness, um, and obviously progressing our, our youth um, in that space. So um, we'll be having two separate grant programs, um, both to be able to fund the awesome programmatic work our nonprofit partners are doing um, in the Bay Area. Historically, A's players and management have been involved in the community on a daily basis. The A's players enjoy putting the jersey on and getting out into the community and trying to uh, provide a smile and provide maybe a respite for some tough times for those in our greater area. And Stephanie explains what it's been like getting inside the clubhouse and how they really feel like it's important for them to make an impact. The fact that last year we had a delayed and abbreviated season and several of the players actually reached out wanting to provide um, le- uh, meals to frontline and essential workers, everything from BART to hospital staff to first responders. Um, and most of the guys did not um, permanently reside in Oakland. So the fact that they wanted to be able to give back was tremendous. I know with the start of this season, they have all reached out to wanting to do a little bit something more. And so we're excited to get them back involved in the community um, as things start to slowly open up. Well, once again, the Oakland Athletics were out front in regard to helping the community getting vaccinated. It's hard to ignore the giant tents here at the Coliseum in the parking lot as you come to see a game at the Coliseum or also just driving by 880. The A's were the first organization in the state to use a facility of this size to continue to vaccinate, and that will continue all the way into June. To that point, the A's are certainly very thankful for essential workers in our community, and there is a program that they've tied in with Major League Baseball that gives them a chance to take a break and for the A's and baseball to say thank you to them for all their hard work. The A's Community Ticket Initiative, um, we're excited to partner with Major League Baseball, where every single Tuesday home game, we will give 10 essential frontline workers four tickets to come to the game, um, courtesy of the A's and MLB. Um, fans can actually go online um, and request tickets, athletics.com slash community corner. Um, it's basically anyone front frontline essential workers that are vaccinated. We are providing them tickets just to honor them and thank them for all the hard work um, and dedication and sacrifice that they did last year. It always continues to be important for the athletics, led by Dave Cavill, to be a steward in the community, and 2021 will be no different. Our thanks to Stephanie Gaywood, the A's Director of Community Engagement, and the A's Community Fund with our first Community Spotlight of 2021. Well, always on a Wednesday, we have our Community Spotlight. We've done it for two years, but this being Jackie Robinson Day around Major League Baseball and the A's off on Wednesday, we're happy to uh, step in on a Thursday with a very special edition of our Community Spotlight with Chris Lucas, who is the A's recipient of a scholarship with the Jackie Robinson Foundation. A lot of things to get into. Chris is from Oakland with the Bishop O'Dowd, now attends Seton Hall, and a lot of great things uh, ahead for him. And first, Chris, I just want to start with when you receive a scholarship and the name Jackie Robinson is attached to it, what kind of impact does that have on you? Sure. So for me, baseball was my first sport. So I grew up loving baseball. Um, Jackie Robinson was someone who I looked up to. Uh, he was always this huge image for me. And then 
being able to be a part of this foundation, the Jackie Robinson Foundation and then the scholarship, it's it's something amazing. It's something that, you know, younger Chris, like five-year-old Chris would dream about. Um, it's, it's really a beautiful kind of uh, ending to this whole story, to kind of my life, my journey through baseball and through history. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. It's been a great situation. Um, the Jackie Robinson Foundation is so much throughout my uh, three years so far. And, you know, I, I look back on life and I go, um, I would be in a completely different place without everything that Jackie Robinson I wonder, as young Chris, as you pointed out, you know, when you're in elementary school and you're in a certain class and your teacher always says, okay, write a biography about somebody that, that is important to you. Did Jackie's name even come up back then for you? Definitely, definitely 100%. Um, I can remember specifically a project in second grade where we had to do just that. We had to write a project or write a presentation um, about some historical figure. And I chose Jackie Robinson. Um, at the time, baseball was the only sport that I was playing. And I had always looked up to Jackie Robinson. I mean, when you're growing up, you hear about different people, kind of historical figures. And Jackie Ro Robinson is one of those people. So for me, yeah, second grade, I did a presentation on Jackie Robinson. And, you know, maybe that was just hinting at this future uh, of joining uh, the Jackie Robinson Foundation. So Chris Lucas is joining us in our community spotlight. He's the A's recipient of the Jackie Robinson Foundation Scholarship. Uh, the program addresses financial needs of college students and provides extensive hands-on mentoring and support services. And Chris, you've certainly taken that uh, upon yourself to do the same thing at Seton Hall. Before we get there, I'm, I'm curious about the foundation you have in your, own, in your own household and how important that was to understand, uh, to, to, to be a good person, be a good son, and now be a, uh, someone that can help maybe impact others and, and hear important stories and help people head in the right direction. Sure. So when I was growing up, I always thought that I had relatively strict parents, parents that were always on me, making sure that I was doing what I needed to do, doing well in school, being a good person. Um, but now being 20 years old, about to be 21 next year, I'm kind of coming to the point in my life where I'm able to understand all that they did for me. Um, really the foundation that they gave me an education and just being a, a good person. Um, and I'm at the age where I'm starting to become almost a real adult and it's kind of scary to say that now. <laughs> but um, it's just allowed me to realize everything my parents have done. Um, coming back from school for COVID, this time, I see my parents all the time, just thank you for all they've done. Um, I didn't say thank you enough. This was young. That foundation and education is something that I feel like as I begin to grow up. So we fast forward to Seton Hall. You're at a junior there. Uh, majoring in finance, pursuing a minor in economics. All I can do is call balls and strikes. So kudos to you for being able to do that. You're very active in the school and several organizations. Secretary for the university's Black Men of Standard Organization, uh, involved in a consulting club, the Black Student Union. You feel it is vitally important to give back. Tell me through some, uh, some of your experiences so far, what you have been able to see and what you've learned and, and how you feel like maybe you've uh, impacted others in those communities. 
Sure. So um, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but there's also another group that I'm a part of called the Team Walker Initiative. I'm the president of the Team Walker Initiative. Um, the Team Walker program is a group that helps students in inner city um, Jersey City, um, providing them with academic and recreational programs kind of in this structured way um, to make sure they have just somewhere to go kind of after school. And working with that organization has opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, first of all, it's allowed me to be thankful for those type of organizations when I was younger, because I, I type of after school programs when I was younger. I'll be able to do that uh, and do the same thing that people were doing for me. Amazing. Um, I truly believe that education is the foundation to carry someone in their life. So being able to help with that and kind of put that foundation is something that sits really heavy in my heart. It's something that I have a true passion for. Chris, uh, Jackie broke the color barrier 74 years ago on this day in 1947. And as unfortunately we have continued to learn while that was a significant step forward, there are so many more steps to take. You're a, a young man of color. You certainly have seen how this country has been divided still in 2021. How, is, how has that impacted you and, and how important has it been for you through these organizations, through your, just through who you are as a person to, to, to try to facilitate change and facilitate an opportunity to, uh, to right social injustice and, and, and understand that diversity is the greatness of what our country is. Yeah, so over this, this past year, year and a half, we've, there's, there's been a lot happening in our country, just, just a lot going on in general, um, dealing with this, this idea of race. And I think it's opened our eyes to a lot of things in, in our country, a lot of um, insecurities, a lot of different things. And for me, um, I see diversity as kind of that next step that we really need to take. Um, at Seton Hall, I started a diversity and inclusion initiative where I'm the president there and we're working to have more programs on campus where we can um, make the space feel, feel more inviting, feel more like a diverse kind of space. And that, hypothetically speaking, would be my goal for the country if possible, you know. I truly believe in allowing these conversations to happen, that we're only going to make change through conversations that may be difficult at times, but the conversations that we need to have. Even if we go with the conversation to bring um, that agreement in itself. Uh, let me ask you one final thought. You are beginning your journey as, as a young man, and you, know, you will start an internship this summer in San Francisco in the finance space, and hopefully that, that sends you down a path of the kind of success that, that you want and allows you to make an impact. I have three children, 26, 25, and 19, and they're early on their journey as well. Uh, as we've discussed, the, the things in 2021 still have a long way to go. What Help me understand what gives you hope as a, as a young man, as a young man of color, uh, as we continue on this journey forward and, and try to get to that place that, that we really want to be at. Yeah, uh, this, it may sound a bit cliche, but, uh, but, I, but I do really believe in it. Um, I believe in just the kind of the connection of my generation, the generations below me. Um, 
we're making change. We're out there on the front lines trying to create change, trying to create action. And that's what we need to do. We need to be brave. We need to be powerful. We need to be passionate um, to go on and kind of fight for the things we want, or fight for the things that we want, fight for the things we need. Um, I think my generation, the generation below us, we've been able to see a lot of the injustices uh, that people are facing. And we're kind of just at the point where we're like, let's, let's do something. Um, and through social media and through kind of different avenues, we have a lot of ways to actually do it. And I think that is next week really where um, we'll, start, we'll start to see progress. Oakland native. Bishop O'Dowd graduate, Seton Hall Jr., and uh, well on your way, and the Jackie Robinson Foundation scholar recipient representing the Oakland Athletics. Chris, it was great to meet you. Great to hear your story. Uh, you certainly give hope, and uh, we keep our fingers crossed that uh, you continue on your path. Wish you all the best, and again, congratulations, and uh, continued success for you and your family. Great. Thank you so much, Vince. Well, Tony, once again, time for our community spotlight on this Wednesday. And today we visit with the acting executive director of the Oakland Parks and Recreation Foundations, Mandolin Kadera Redmond. And she's been around in various capacities in the community since 2012. And of course, they, like so many others, have been affected by COVID. But she tells us how the OPRF have been pivoting through COVID to find opportunities to continue to do their good work. Of course, we all were impacted. And one thing we learned um, pretty quickly is that we still really need each other. And so one thing that we had to um, understand is we still want to connect through our uh, annual fundraiser, which is coming up this April, uh, April 29th, Spring for Parks, which brings fundraising dollars to our town camp program through the city of Oakland's day camp program. And that pivot, even though we're doing a virtual event this year. The children definitely have missed each other and outdoors and community in that way. And so that's the kind of thing that, that we did rise to the moment and also just connecting in ways that really still build each other and togetherness. And something else that, that's raised is people's need for food. And so how do we use our rec centers and our community network to bring life-saving needs to people through food and connection that way and checking on our seniors as well as our young families. The OPRF has been around since 1981. They support city parks, also involved in expanding recreational opportunities. They support over 100 community organizations. It is a far-reaching group, and Madeline explains how they get involved with all of them to try to make things better for each and every organization out there. So we are technically fiscal sponsors for smaller organizations that need support around what it is to be a full organization. And sometimes it may be holding a bank account. And so that ability to be able to hold that responsibility allows for the neighbors on the ground to do the work that, that they're passionate about, which can be building gardens or skate parks or building a new playground or play structure. And that's something that they can just then focus on. So some of those examples are the town park, skate park out at Defermery Park. And then we can think of the different community gardens at San Antonio or Bushrod or 
then we can think of all the different play structures that have had new improvements. Astro Park down by the lake near it um, is another example of really the community coming together to build these needs that the neighbors are really speaking for themselves for. And our organization, because we have the relationship with the city of Oakland, allows for those projects to get off the ground. And that's something that just is so impactful right away that we're very excited about. Now, they do have a budget of over $2 million, but they are always looking for opportunities with public and private partnerships and fiscal sponsorships, advocacy and special projects. As you heard earlier, Spring for Parks is coming up on April 29th. If you have an interest and wanted to help with your resources for the Oakland Parks and Recreation Foundation, Madeline gives you an opportunity on how you, too, can get involved. Oaklandparks.org is our website, and so you can register for this free virtual event, April 29th. Um, You can also cruise through some of the different smaller organizations that we sponsor, and you could directly donate to them and and see what good work they're doing on the ground. And there's always good opportunities and resources on the website for ways that you can come join us for cleanups or perhaps maybe there's um, a concern you have of a park near your neighborhood and you wanted to give us some insight to how we could improve that area. That's always, we're always open to that conversation because the more we work together and share what is happening in our community, the more we can find ways to improve and come together and celebrate. So I would encourage you, oaklandparks.org, um, to get involved, all kinds of opportunities there to join us. As we continue through our vaccinations and try to get through the COVID scenarios around the world and certainly here in the East Bay, Madeline talks about how she feels like with the Oakland Parks and Recreation Foundation, all the things they're working on, that there are indeed better times on the horizon. I'm so encouraged. You know, most of us park people have have always known that the solutions are in the parks. (laughs) And if we just fund them more, then we'll all be in a better place. And and COVID did bring that attention and, and need for the outdoors, for nature, for connecting. And so, you know, and outside of Oakland and outside of the Bay Area, but the whole nation is talking about and funding more of outdoor activities. So that gets to trickle down to the activities and the programming that we're working with every day. And it also has highlighted a lot of programming around climate change. And so those two areas, although we've been champions for a long time, I think um, nationwide, we have a lot more data and funding that backs up that idea. And so that is very encouraging to think about how we come back to and people are excited about it. And, you know, when we talk about sometimes the, the budget as the parks are like the bouncy house on the budget and the city's budget but but we've always said no that it's such so much more than that and it's such a necessity and i think as we continue to come out and gather more and more people are are joining us in that realization is is how much we can do it and then we we begin to build really good safe ways to be in the outdoors and and it encourages us to have safe bathrooms and it encourages us to think about how do we have marketplaces that are outdoors and and safe. So I, I, I'm very encouraged to think about coming back together in safe ways. In our community spotlight this week is Betsy Beeren. She's the CEO of the Make-A-Wish Greater Bay Area. And tomorrow, April 29th, is World Wish Day. And Betsy fills us in on all the details on how you possibly can watch, learn, and get involved.
this is probably the, one of the biggest days of our year. It all started uh, April 29th uh, years ago uh, when a little boy, Christopher Grecius, who was an energetic seven-year-old boy battling leukemia, wished to be a police officer. Um, and in 1980, when that first wish happened, his Phoenix community came together to make his wish come true. Um, it, uh, I love seeing the old videos and the stories of it because Chris was a little kid who had a little devilish spirit, too. So part of the fun of putting on his uniform and being a state trooper, even riding in the state trooper helicopter, was uh, putting a few parking tickets on his neighbor's car. So we celebrate that that funny joyfulness uh, and the magic that a wish brings to uh, kids. And here we are, um, so many years later, uh, celebrating World Wish Day each year. Um, we, this year in particular, because it's been such a crazy year with pandemic, are empowering the community not just to wait for hope, but to create it and help us make wishes come true. Um, I've been telling people that uh, many of our friends that what we've all gone through with the, in the pandemic, uh, being isolated, uh, being away from our friends, having our routines upended, wearing masks, um, not being able to gather, not being able to watch our favorite baseball team, um, and just having that uncertainty is something that our kids go through every day when they're going through their treatments and when they're in the hospital. And so think of it, these kids have actually had a double whammy with the pandemic. So this year, almost more than ever, World Wish Day is just critical. Um, and so that we hope people will think about getting involved in supporting us, um, whether it's watching um, some really neat events we have on our website uh, tomorrow, which is, if I can put a plug in here, wish.org forward slash Greater Bay uh, forward slash hope. Um, so we can hear, you can see more of what we're doing. And if you feel like supporting us, we'd love that too. As we all know, our world has changed dramatically since last year and no different for the Make-A-Wish Great Area Bay Area group. And Betsy tells us what they've had to do pivoting through COVID and still finding ways to put smiles on faces of those in their time of need. This has been a year when people have really pulled out the stops for us and our wish kids. And we feel really lucky because the, the flip side of being isolated, and we can all joke about our being on too many Zoom calls and Zoom fatigue, but uh, people are really creative and inherently kind to our kids. Um, we've had a wishes, wishes are waiting sort of a campaign where we ask people to send quick video clips that we could share with our wish kids who wishes we had to put on hold because we couldn't send them on a trip or send them to meet their uh, local celebrity. We have some incredible volunteers who make sure that their wish kids know that their wishes are going to happen at some point, and they'll do everything from dropping these incredible balloon gar garlands to making cakes to even just, you know, writing a note and putting it in the mail. Um, so people have been really terrific, and we've done some incredible wishes despite the pandemic. Um, we've done a whole bunch of really cute puppy wishes. Um, if you want to see something really cute around the bases besides our wish kids, it's some of these puppies we've given this year. Um, We've had a number of kids who are really into gaming, and so we've done some terrific gaming computers and gaming rooms. Uh, we've got kids who are super interested in, um, in new camper trailers. I don't know if people are still allowed to tailgate vents out there uh, at the Coliseum, but if they are, we've got some fabulous kids now with trailers that probably would love to take it out there and have a tailgate. Um, and we've also had a number of kids who've decided that their wish is really to give back. They've been grateful for the care they've gotten at our local hospitals. And uh, we had one um, wish kiddo who 
uh, asked to have a donation made to the social workers at the hospital. We've had another who had a knitting challenge to knit hats for the mobile health van that was actually working with a lot of um, homeless youth uh, patients. And uh, we've had another kiddo who wanted to start a foundation for cancer research. So, you know, it really runs the gamut with what these kiddos want to do. Um, and, um, you know, it wasn't too long ago that we had a, a wish kid come and want to be an Oakland A for the day. So ready for that to happen again. We're just waiting, waiting until our kiddos can get back. The Make-A-Wish Greater Bay Area chapter was founded back in 1984. They have been able to produce over 8,500 wishes so far, hoping to keep that going, and they can't do it without your support. Betsy gives us one final thought on how you can get involved and help things better for the Make-A-Wish Greater Bay Area and make it better for the kids in our community. We love being asked that question because we are actually one of those charities that, like everybody else, we'd love it if you donate, and you can go to that same link and make a donation. But if you also go around our website, we do have a whole area for volunteering. We need people who want to do grant wishes. They want to go through a, a pretty easy uh, training and work with, interview our wish kiddos and their families to really come up with the heart of a wish. We always need people that want to work at our fundraising events. When those come back, we're going to need the help. We love people that say, hey, you know what I'd love to do? I've got to get, I'm going to give this neighborhood barbecue party because we're all vaccinated and we're all celebrating post-pandemic. But I'd love to make it a fundraiser for Make-A-Wish. We would love that. We'd love to help. We'd love to be there. We'd love to share the stories of our kids. So lots of ways to help us. And uh, most of all, uh, support, our, support our friends, the A's, um, because when you support the A's, you're also helping us too. Betsy Beeren, the CEO of the Make-A-Wish Greater Bay Area. Again, a reminder, tomorrow is World Wish Day. Go to wish.org forward slash greater bay forward slash hope to get all the details on what's happening tomorrow. Our thanks in the month of April to Stephanie, Chris, Madeline, and Betsy, our first guests in this year's Community Spotlight. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.